0: Good afternoon and welcome everybody into another edition of the Devoted Steelers Podcast. I am the D as in Dimitri George. joined alongside my co-host as always. He is the V, Vince Paparella. And Vince, let's jump right into it. Vince, I just have one question. What do you know about Ray Finkel as the Steelers defeat the Colts 26-24 to 24, uh, after Adam Vinatieri misses a would-be go-ahead field goal? Uh, however, although there would have been about a minute left or so, for the Steelers to respond, but thankfully, military uh, shanked it and the Steelers are victorious. And what was a very entertaining game, um, like many others, if you're a Steelers fan, you kind of go through the roller coaster. You're up and down. You feel good. You feel bad. They, they kind of pull you. They tug you. And it's really, um, if you're a Steelers fan, you really just got to just can't be so reactionary because I mean, you can't be reactionary in this in this world in this society as we live in today. However, as a Steelers fan, you gotta just let things play out because sometimes, most of the time, at least in this Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger in this 2000 or you know since early 2000, it's kind of always it's kind of mostly been good favor of the Steelers. Um, but today was no different. I mean, Vince, you were at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you got to see a, more of a. I I know you look at everything um, when you're there. And so I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. But just, you know, before we really get into our
1: reaction to the game, what was um, something that stood out to you on the this, this Steelers' victory? Well, it's amazing uh, to get this win, especially moving forward. And, uh, you know, they've kind of written off – they're still by the media now. They've reeled off three straight wins. They're stacking wins, as uh, Mike Collin likes to say. Uh, and this is when the Steelers typically do so um, – you know, as a team, not looking at who the quarterback is, but they typically get on these kinds of roles here in the middle of the season. And it's just like, can they sustain that success? And this, you know, the schedule moving forward uh, certainly allows itself to possibly do that, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But just instant reactions from the game. Um, you know, there were three lead changes in the fourth quarter after the Colts were winning from us the game. You know, obviously they um, hit the first field goal and uh, then never they were tied after that, but never really relinquished it. Uh, but just a, an amazing game to be at, and what was funny, I think if you ask anybody else that was there, was that they didn't play until the two minute warning in the fourth quarter, which is very it's a very late renegade, and that was just after Hoyer had the really long deep pass down the side, they put the uh, uh, defensive pass interference on for Steven Nelson, and so I was just bummed because like I'm not even gonna get up for renegade because. It cost them a timeout. And all of a sudden, the Colts were field goal range. It's Adam Venetari. I'm like, here we go again. I got to go watch cost. Uh But luckily, uh, and you know, they made a big deal about how the laces were on the broadcast. And obviously, you couldn't see that from where I was sitting um, uh, in the stands. But he, when I looked at it again on TV, it looked like he kicked the ground first.
0: Listen, I'm no kicking expert. All I know is. Finkel as yeah. Einhorn. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think you can agree. I mean, we've talked about this many times. Anytime you watch a Steelers game, you're going to go through the – I mean, and, and most teams will probably say the same thing, but it just seems, though, as a Steelers fan, it's never as simple as it should be, and it's always as hard as it could be, yeah. if that now, makes it sense. It breaks this
1: game, um, but,
0: I mean, that – occasionally right again questionable officiating but that's every week I, I I love my NFL I love the Steelers but I gotta admit some of these weeks some of these games are becoming unwatchable um, because of these oh, yeah. referees I thought the Steelers got away with some calls I think I think the Colts got away with some calls it's just bad
1: no, it's it's rough I mean there was a lot you know there's a lot of kind of kickback from I you know you type in Steelers on Twitter and you know you get a whole hospodge anybody that you know mentions the name Steelers comes up and there's a couple times Colts fans came up like, yo, this, the Colts got screwed on the Deontay Johnson pass interference that they called. And I'm like, okay, I still think that was a better call than the one on Steven Nelson. Um, See, I, I was I was okay with no calls for both of
0: those. I, both Deontay and, I agree, and the but, other
1: one. You know, and you can make the argument, well, since they called it on Deontay Johnson, or they got I, covering Deontay right. Johnson. Um but, you know, they called it the other way. Okay, that's that's fine. That's staying, you know, fair and balanced, if you will. But um, I know the offensive line for the Colts, and I'm a big Harper on, you know, this in general. But they don't think that – I don't think they had a single holding call. And I know the way that, you know, people like Cam Hayward and – I thought our defensive line, and I don't think they necessarily won line of scrimmage, but they were eating – on some passing downs, and I'm like, yo, Javon Hargrave is going through two people, and he's getting held up. I was like, come on, guys, like you got to give me a second here. Um, if you, I think if you go back and really look at that game, I think on you know when we knew it was passing downs, they're rushing four or five guys, and they were really eaten, especially against a a very good offensive line or a very good interior offensive line, you know, with the likes of Quentin Nelson. Um, Cam Hayward was put into work. You know, the whole reason that Jacoby Brissett wasn't in the game was because Cam Hayward bull rushed Quentin Nelson into the quarterback. All right. So, I know Cam Hayward kind of gets love here and occasionally, and he's a great leader. But he is a fantastic pass rusher, um, and he's not up there with you know around the league. You know, probably not widely as recognized. But he had a fantastic game, um, and uh, we'll get more to the offense later. But uh, I'm officially on the uh, turning up the heat on Randy Fenton, and I'll get into that.
0: Yeah, I would say we'll get we'll give the offense a minute. Um, Again, Vince, you and I have been very vocal, very adamant. We are such pro trade for Inca Fitzpatrick.
1: It's not even a, it wasn't even a question at the time of it, and it's certainly not a question now. Like I, I, I can't have a conversation with anybody. I don't even want to acknowledge the person that would, you know, kind of argue with him at this point. I mean, he is the best defensive back, like as in safeties and corners included. When since Troy Palomalu and he is not Troy Palomalu and he's not in Troy Palomalu's league, but he is in the league of Troy Palomalu in the fact that he's a playmaker. When's the last time that the Steelers have had a defensive back playmaker other than Troy Palomalu? I, in my probably 15 years of watching the Steelers football, and I know you know I can't say anything before 2002, really. All right, but in all that time included, I've never seen anybody like it, and it's been how many? It's been four or five games. It's been four or five games, and. And it's it's another one of those things that sometimes players win in spite of coaching. I really don't think that he's getting necessarily coached up. He is just a dynamic player, and he's playing with a very good supporting cast right now. And he can honestly, he could probably continue to do this throughout the remainder of the season. And he's in his second year. I, I'm like that's why I'm getting giddy. Like he, the potential for Minka Fitzpatrick to have a long, great career in Pittsburgh is staring us right in the face, and that is something to get excited about. So if you're on the flip side coin of that, I'm sorry, but I'm not here to have the conversation with you.
0: I couldn't agree anymore. I mean, he's from a financial standpoint, on the rookie contract, so that's a win. Like you said, second year, and, he was, and so the Steelers knew that they, when they were trading a first-round pick, they were giving up a first-round pick for someone that they knew could play at the NFL level. They weren't looking to trade for a potential first-round pick, who, who again, that's a lot of what-ifs. You know, ask the Browns, potentially the Dolphins have all these picks. It only works if they actually hit on those picks. You know, you know you look at the Raiders. Um, they had a lot of picks. Now, they're, they're pretty good – they're a pretty decent football team out there in Oakland this year at 500. Um, but they, they got to make sure that they hit on all those picks that they accumulated. So, again, when the Steelers made this trade, they were trading for a guy that was going to be on a cheap rookie deal a guy that's in his second year who've played in the league that they knew could play and be successful and, and be a good player in this league. But again, you think about it, they add, they have TJ Watt rushing the passer. They trade up and get Devin Bush. And now they have Minka Fitzpatrick in the back end. So, I mean, at, at every level of defense, you have a bona fide SAR. So you're building that defense to be, <clears throat> they could be the, 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 that could be the new, you know, all, you know, that that could be the new, quote-unquote, steel curtain. Not Obviously, not to that degree, but you get what I'm saying. That could be their new – that's the foundation right there for the next 10 and years, I'll, potentially.
1: Yeah, I'll say this about oh. this defense, and there's a few things to take into consideration for what I'm about to say. New England's defense got a lot of talk coming into the game last night, and it was in Baltimore, and I know Baltimore was really hyped up for that game. However, if you look at the way Pittsburgh's defense played Lamar Jackson and that offense – Versus the way New England's defenses, as heralded as they were played, Lamar Jackson and that offense, they did a three times better job than New England did.
0: Really quick, and I don't, I don't know if you heard any of this, and I want to get back to Minka really quick, but really quick, and this is not a Patriots podcast, but I said by any means, some people were insinuating. I don't, no one's ever going to be able to prove this, so this is really a lot of hypotheticals. But some were saying that potentially. Bill Belichick might not have shown down the road. It's
1: possible. It's possible. And, you know, people that play Lamar Jackson so far in his very short career have very high success rates against him. He is 0-3, I believe, in teams that have played him twice. So that's also – Except for the Bengals. That's – yes. He, so he's 1-3 and against teams he's played twice. And that's the Bengals. Um so what I would say
0: here as I was continuing that conversation, um I look at the Minka trade and I obviously would do it ten times over. Um mm-hmm. but you know, look at that situation. They're down ten to three at about in the first half. Colts are threatening. At the very least they're getting a field goal. I mean, that's a potential was that fourteen, ten point swing, whatever it is. Yeah. Um that's a huge play. Those timely interceptions, timely turnovers. I mean, that that was a turnover. That only was it a turnover, but it also created points, um, which was huge. Um, I but I I will say though, again, the point is, me and you are so pro Minka. Again, I, we we were pro at the time that it happened, and we're con- we're going to continue to hopefully be proven right. Um, but although I will say this. Um, and I want to get you, I want to hear your thoughts. I think largely, though, yesterday was a bit of a disappointment defensively as a whole. Yeah, they got turnovers. Yeah, they got pressure on the quarterback. But there were too often times where I felt like the Colts were kind of just moving the ball.
1: Well, it's interesting. Like, if you look at the Colts' first or second offensive play um, of each drive, and this could be just their scheme, and I don't know enough about the Colts to say this, but. They did a lot of like the jet sweeps. Well, they did a couple times. I shouldn't say a lot. Still, like the jet sweep, watch, see what they came around. And they gained like really large chunk of plays on the Steelers. And all of a sudden, like, oh my God, they're at the 50. All, all of a sudden, they were in uh, Pittsburgh territory. And so they really kept, they didn't really do a good job of keeping the Steelers defense on their heels. Um, now, in the red zone, it was not good. Devin Bush got beat on a simple move by the. You got to give credit to Brian Hoyer. He made two great throws, on like, yeah. touchdowns in the back of the end zone each time, and they were all on the same part of the end zone because they were the, <laughs> they were the end. I end don't, and I don't, and
0: real quick, I don't know what his numbers are, but I've, I've, I've I'm not, if my memory doesn't shake. I, I think he's had some success against the Steelers. I mean, I remember in 2014 he almost led that crazy comeback in the opener. Yep. Um, and then that, and then they we went up to Cleveland and
1: got spanked. The Steelers struggle with like. Um, fast accurate quarterbacks like well and
0: again remember he got he's a guy that came from the Patriots and Tom Brady like you said guy that gets the gets the ball out of his hands quickly makes quick decisions um but you know give credit you know you yeah, that was a team without T.Y. Hilton um you know you, you have to imagine that they lacked a little bit of explosion although they they do a such a good job with their scheme. And they're such they're a good well coached team. I think Frank Reich's one of the best coaches in the game in his second year. Um I mean they just do a such a good job. We're we're getting ready to talk about the offense, and I know you got something mm-hmm. to say about Randy Feetner, but they you could totally see the difference in how they're scheming, um and, 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 and how they're and that how they win with schematics and not necessarily just winning one on one matchups, which I think you would hope for the Steelers to try to do a little bit more of without the without the um you know, without the, the guys like AB or Le'Veon or, or Seven back there that you could just win one-on-one matchups and you have to really kind of out-scheme your opponent and have certain play concepts set up d- plays down the road or route combinations open up things and, you know, whatever the case is. So, like I said, the defense is is what I think it's safe to say it's halfway through the season. This is a defense going to create splash. They're going to get yep. sacks. They're going to get turnovers. And I think Chester Rogers said after the game, I'm paraphrasing, but basically saying that the Steelers are bringing it all day and that, and you kind of, you, you get, it's fun to watch the Steelers defense again, right? When they're on the field back when the Steelers, the 08 teams, the 2010 teams, the 2004 five teams, those defenses, those are were, those were fun defenses to watch. Um, you know, they're, they're physical, they're hitting people in the mouth. I mean, there's a couple of times I know, uh devin and vince uh, there was a there was a couple of plays where their receivers caught a short pass um and i mean there was a guy on them in seconds and they were and Are they smitten? were hitting, i mean physical um I thought Joe Hayden was pretty physical on the boundary today as well or yesterday as well um but so that that's again was it a pretty performance by the defense no definitely things they can clean up um I, you mentioned that you were at the game and um Seems like they had some miscommunication on yeah, personnel I, and who was supposed to be in the and game and all that. Especially in the that. second
1: quarter, um, yeah, because the Colts were driving towards the open end zone. Uh, like, back-to-back plays. And the Colts aren't – here's the thing that scares me. The Colts aren't running no huddle. They're just, you know, huddling up, going to the line scrimmage, reading the defense. And as late as maybe five, six seconds before the ball is snapped, you know, Cam Hayward's got his hands up, you know, like, you know, motioning, you know, what's going on. TJ Watts got the same thing going on, you know, and I guess, you know, when they don't necessarily have a play call, they're unsure of the play call, maybe they play the previous play or maybe they just have like, okay, you know, just go and you 4 rush and we'll cover and stuff like that. And that's certainly not enhancing your defense in any way. And you got to wonder, like, guys, we're at home. Like, it's the second quarter. It's not, we just started the game. There's no, you know, what in the world could be the communication breakdown? And especially, you know, I understand that Mark Brown has the green dot. Why not give it to somebody that's going to be on the field, you know, because they take him off sometimes, you know, give it to, I can't wait. For, give it to give Minko. It to, Minko was on the field a hundred percent of the snaps. You don't think that guy knows what the hell's going on. Give it to Minko Fitzpatrick.
0: No, I know. And I know he's a guy that's been with the, been with the, been with the organization for, what is it? Six, seven weeks. I know. Right. Um, clearly the guy's got high football IQ and that's kind of why they were drawn to him. Um, but again, Defensively, I think that this is something that definitely things to correct and improve upon, like anything else. But it's good to see that a team that doesn't turn over the ball a lot and doesn't give up a lot of sacks, the Steelers and, are able to do both. Um, so that's a, that's a sign of a good. Before we go defense. to offense,
1: because my dad was really saying this out, and you know when he listens to this, he can pay attention. Um, you know, he always like you know just kick it out of the kick it out of the end zone, kick it out of the end zone, and he's nervous like I am every time that. a you know, an opposing player touches the ball and they're going to go to the house because, you know, last time we were there, that happened.
0: Uh, are you talking about special teams? Because I was pretty that was pretty pissed off about
1: that. Are you saying how they um, – The kickoff, kick-off, kick-off was coverage. That. Yeah. Um, and off. so is the kickoff return, you know, coverage if you want. Well, that's, that is bad that as, as well. well. But I will say is that – and I know this has been a point of emphasis over the offseason and during the season is that they are getting the ball out. Oh yeah, no, they're 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 going for the ball. They're attacking the football in the air and also in ball games. And you know that's really exciting to see because, uh, you know, looking at an opposing teams play, looking at Marlon Humphreys, uh, that that boy, and, and the and the cold the colder it gets, the yep. ball gets
0: slicker, um, and it, again, it's putting pressure on the opponent. You know those little things. I mean, I get it. Every every coach, every running any running back coach, receivers coach, any offensive skill position guy is always told protect the football, protect the football. But you know some of these guys get laid. Some of these guys, you know, hold it like a loaf of bread. I mean, if you're attacking the football constantly, 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 um, eventually good things are going to happen. And, for, and fortunately for the Steelers, they have been. Um, we talk a lot about Mason, uh, in our last time, in our last you know last time we recorded here. Um, before you get into Randy, a lot of people are very frustrated with Mason. And, and I think there's an argument can be made about whether, you, whether it's really him that's, being, that's showing a lack of aggression, or maybe it's the coach's, you know, basically telling him, you know, to be safe, protect the football, whatever the case may be. Again, yes, this is his second year, but the guy didn't even dress for a game last year, I don't think. So this is his first – first, you know, his first playing experience in the NFL – and his first time being active on the damn, uh, you know, uh, game day mm-hmm. roster. So – and he had a young quarterback mm-hmm. um, with a good defense that's creating opportunities, mm-hmm. more opportunities for him. Um, and, again, if it, this is this is what his – that was his fifth start yeah. yesterday? Fifth? Because it, it was San yeah. Francisco. Uh, then he had the Bengals. Then he had Baltimore, which is considered a start. Then he had the week off. And then he had, yeah, Yeah. so that was his fifth start. Um, No one's, no one, we're not expecting, this is not a 10-year vet. This is a second-year guy making his fifth start. So before we start criticizing, I want to just personally say that while it's definitely not pretty at times, um, and he said that Colts culture playing that course coverage where, just in case the average fan uh, doesn't, you know, know what quarter's coverage is. It's basically protecting from the deep ball. Uh corners and the safeties have a quarter of the field. Um, and so a lot of the underneath stuff's gonna be available. Um and that's why Jalen Samuels set a record for the damn catches by the running
1: for for a running back. Did he did he break it or did he tie it? He broke it. He his Le'Veon Bell had the uh record and he-
0: You know, you you sit there and you want to criticize the man for just taking what the defense gives you, but he's not, he's not hurting the football team.
1: No. Um, I think Mason is coming along fine. Is there some, if there are, are there more things that I would like to see him do? Yes. However, to answer your question, is it him just being you – know, not being aggressive or him being told to do so? What do you think the end of the Miami game was? I mean, if you look at that Miami passing chart, he is just chucking this ball, you know, and taking his shots. And some of them hit, and some of them didn't. And you know, now it's like, okay, so if the shots aren't there, they're just throwing the ball underneath, and I'm—it's sure a combination of both things. But I think he is right where he needs to be. And now, if he—if we are having this, if we're watching the same kind of game in maybe six or eight weeks, you know, by the end of the year, then I'm like, okay, something—you know—he is not where he needs to be. Then I'll say he's below the curve. But right now, um, he's throwing ten touchdowns, four interceptions. That touch, that interception wasn't on him. It was on Juju. There should be more people angry at Juju personally. If you want to start throwing blame around, I don't really care to do that. Uh, but I, I I don't think it's Mason.
0: All right. Well then, I know you've been itching for it. What's the <laughs> what's the reason for concern offensively?
1: Okay. Let, let me just ask you some questions, and you know, just give me the an answer. What would you say are the top three teams in the AFC?
0: AFC? Yes. Uh, New England, uh, Baltimore, and Kansas City. Although I'd argue that with Deshaun Watson, I think uh, Houston can potentially be in there just because of him. Okay, so,
1: so fine. We'll say, you know, those four teams you talked to. Right. Three. Okay, how about Nancy? Uh,
0: San Francisco, New Orleans. Sure. Um, uh, they didn't look like it yesterday, but Green Bay, um, Seattle's in there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, those would be my top. All right, so with the exception of Seattle, because I don't know Seattle, right? I, I think the world of Russell. Russell Wilson. I watched the highlights of that game against Tampa Bay, and it is just amazing how he can put the football. Where he can put the football, he can pinpoint it. He is the MVP of the league, and I'm sorry, if there's even a conversation elsewhere else, they're wrong. They are wrong. They Not are- after Lamar Jackson, what he did last night? There, that's incorrect. No, Lamar Jackson don't play 22 positions. Okay. All right. Okay. Listen. So you think of Shanahan in San Francisco, you're thinking of uh, Sean Payton. you think of Sean Payton. All right? You're thinking of Josh McDaniels. These are all very, very competent, offensive minds. And what in the hell do we have in Pittsburgh? We got Randy freaking Feetner, all right, who can't send a guy in motion. And the only reason that I don't hate Randy Pietner is because him and I share a birthday, all right? That's the only thing I, find. I I don't hate this. Fun fact. Fun fact, yeah. He has been with the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2007. He's been a wide receivers coach. He's been an offensive – or he's been a quarterback's coach. He's been an offensive coordinator in the last two years. Now, I, I had a, I had to take back a lot of things that I said about him last year because the red zone offense was so dang good, all right? And, you know, when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback and you have Randy Pietner. I think Randy and the playmaking ability, or sorry, I think Ben and the playmaking abilities that he has can cover up a lot of those things. Plus, if you are a defense preparing for somebody, if you're going, let's say you're, in, you know, you got three wide receivers and a running back and a tight end, you got to think about, okay, I'm more scared about what the quarterback's going to do than what the running back's going to do. Now you're playing Mason, okay? No defense is afraid of Mason Rudolph, all right? They might be afraid of Juju and they might be afraid of Connor when he gets back there, maybe Vance McDonald, but they're not afraid of anybody else on that offense, okay? You have to help him. Look at the schemes that ball, that New England's running against Baltimore. Are you going to sit here and tell me right now that New England has a better offensive personnel than Pittsburgh? You're wrong. You're wrong. They don't have better wide receivers, they have a better quarterback, and they don't have better running back. okay? It's because of how they use their players. San Francisco. Can you name me two wide receivers on San Francisco? I can. You and I can, but nobody else can. Just Emmanuel Sanders used to play, and then what, Curtis Samuels? That's all I can name. No, no,
0: not Curtis. No. Marquise Goodwin, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel. Got a couple guys.
1: Okay. And so what I'm trying to say here is that Randy Feetner is sure he's best buddies with Ben Osberg, And if you want to, if you're going to make the argument, like, look, Ben's come back next year, and him and, I, and him and Randy are gonna get on the same page as they were in 2018. Fine, but the minute that Ben Roethlisberger retires, then he needs to get his sorry butt out of here because he is not competent enough to be an offensive coordinator in this league. Oh, man is throwing shots. Okay, I'm I'm serious. Like Freddie Kitchens is should not be an off should not be a head coach. Okay, he has two jobs in Cleveland, and he they're two and six. The the. You know, we've had a lot of crap given about Keith Butler, and he has rightfully deserved so. That embarrassment against Jacksonville in 2018 should go down in history. That's one of the worst defensive coaching jobs in history. And, you know, we say, you know, you and I at least say a lot that Randy, or sorry, Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin, you know, both kind of run the defense. And Sometimes it's Mike Tomlin's defense, okay? But that ship has been righted, all right, for the most part, and that they've gotten significant playmakers on there. When I'm watching yesterday, it's just Mason walked up to the line. Nobody goes in motion. I'm sure, you know, Mason is reading the defense, you know, as any quarterback does, and then they just run the play. The worst thing that could have happened to them when Zach when they had that long 45-yard run with Edmonds, that was the worst thing that could have happened. Because Randy's like, oh, well, that worked once. It may work again. They did that like seven or eight more times during that game and got like a total of 20 yards out of it. That's not – dang, but that ain't smart. The, I, I I, know I am not the world's best offensive person. I mean, I'm sitting here in my, in my room right now going to graduate school to be a city planner, okay? But, dang, I would like a chance to go toe-toe for toe for Randy Feetner. If you gave me a week to prepare, if you gave Randy a week and you gave me a week, I bet you I'd come up with something different. I just – I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm so frustrated. I, I, I am not inspired by a thing this offense does. Not a thing.
0: So you're basically your your standpoint, your stance is it's not you you have no, you have no blame. You don't want to put any blame right
1: now on Mason. It's his,
0: his, his the offensive coach staff is not helping him.
1: No, it, you know, that's where they say you know a lot of people. Okay, a coach you have a player, but when a player gets to that next level, it's why is Joe Man, Joe Montana so good, or why was he so good? It's because he had Bill Walsh. Why is Tom Brady so good? It's because he's got Bill Belichick. Why is Drew Brees so good? It's because he's got Sean Payton. It's It goes hand in hand. And when you have, you know, one complimenting the other, then you can really push forward. And right now you got Mason Rudolph, and Mason Rudolph was not a first-round pick, obviously. He was a third-round pick. They gave him a first-round grade, whatever. They like where he is. But to bring him along, you've got to really coach him up. You know, that's the pressure falls on the OC. And you are getting – Randy is not squeezing any juice out of Mason when he can. There's – there's things that they can do. There's quick throws. There's, you know, how many times have you seen New England get away with one of those rubs? You know what I'm saying? They got a little five-yard rub out there. They got a little pick play. They got five-yard There's nothing in this offense that, you know, you got a heck of a playmaker in Juju Smith-Schuster. He drops a couple balls occasionally, but I've seen Juju, as soon as he gets the ball in his hands, take off. He's got two 99-yard touchdowns, okay? We all remember the play against the Patriots in 2017 when he caught that, you know, crosser route and it ran down to the – 10-yard line, all right, Just because he ran out of breath. He should have scored that touchdown anyways. <laughs> but, like, he is a bona fide playmaker his first two years. The league. All of a sudden, he gets – they get the quarterback, and all of a sudden the offense system just falls apart. So, it's hard to
0: argue, right? Um, let me ask you this, and some people think this is overblown. Does the lack of a quarterback coach on the Steelers yes. staff
1: hurt? You know, I mean, you know, technically he is the quarterback coach, right? Right, but, um, I... <laughs> but there. But
0: I guess the lack of a true quarterback coach that's sole responsibility is the quarterbacks.
1: Yes, um, Todd Haley was Todd Haley, and Todd Haley had his major, major, major faults, and he, you know he did not score a lot of points um, for the Steelers in. It, or he did not allow them, I will say, to score a lot of points in postseason games. That's kind of was a knock on Todd Haley. Um, but whenever you could say, you know, he extended off for his career. You know, I had this conversation multiple times. Um, but he was a guy that was brought in from outside of this organization, you know, with some offensive prowess. You know, he coached in Arizona. He coached in Kansas City. He had been around the league. I just, I get really frustrated because who can, you you know, this and this is a knock on Tomlin. Who has come from the Mike Tomlin coaching tree? He's been in this league a long time now. He should have a coaching tree, right? Yeah. And the coach, if you got Mike Tomlin at the base, those those branches get trimmed really quickly because it ain't much of a trade, it's more of a bush, all right? And it, it might be a little shrub or a little weed at that point. I mean, Mike Tomlin, I love Mike Tomlin as a head coach. But Mike Tomlin is a leader of men. He's not a schemer. Uh, and I think everybody agrees with that. And we really need – somebody that's going to scheme these guys up and get these play. We got three fantastic wide receivers and an excellent tight end and great running backs. This, and we are mustering 26, 22, 20 points. And, you know, thankfully the defense is playing the way it is. Otherwise this might be a two and 16. So it's, you know, somebody should ask how the defense is back is doing because they're carrying this team.
0: So, no, and I agree. And and real quick, I do want to give a shout out to the defense. We didn't, we failed to, um, talking about a quarterback coach or lack thereof, if you will, sole responsibility real quick on the defense. Definitely want to give a shout out to Bud Dupree, who got a lot of grief over his last couple of years. Uh, was teetering with the bus. He wasn't Jarvis Jones, but certainly wasn't, you know, making any waves. Steelers pick up his option getting paid nine point, I think 9.2 million people were all up in arms about that, but he's certainly proven them right. Um, again, is it coincidence that Joey Porter's not there, that he's having his best season? Is it, is it the seconds? um Second second season play on the other side, is that is that a cause you know for the, his good plays because he's getting ready getting ready to try to get a new contract? Whatever the case is, give credit to Bud Dupree um, for playing well. But again, going back to the offense, I, I want to say, um, like I said, I'm 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 very comfortable with Mason Rudolph. Again, I know that I'm I've over the years watching Ben. It's a, it's a guy that's a gunslinger. He's he's gonna take chances. He's gonna throw the ball over the yard. Um, and you're going to live and die by the extending of the play and all that jazz. With Mason, I know it's, it's, a, it's a passing league, so you figure that even as a young guy, there's, there's plenty of opportunities to make big plays in the passing game. But if the guy's not killing you, he's not losing the game for you, he's putting the positions, um, I mean, let's talk about, again, let's talk about the response. You want to see them get in the end zone. Colts go down on that fourth and goal, score a touchdown on fourth down. He comes right back in what three, four plays, mm-hmm. right down the field. Let's talk about that's let's, let's, again. Regardless of what happens in between all of that, those are the those are the things that I told you I, I, I want to see. How do you handle something like that? They come back on a fourth and goal. They make a play. They score a touchdown. Now they're up. They're up by one. Let, let's let's and let's see how you respond to that. Do you go three and you go three and out. You throw a bad interception. What's the, nope. I go right down the field again. Got to be better in the red zone. But you go right down the field. You take the lead. Those are the things that I told you that, that are important to me, and those are the things that he's largely been successful with. And again, I've said it the last couple of years, even with Todd Haley, I thought that they were a lot of, and they, and they they were they could afford to be at the time, but they were so dependent on guys just winning one on one matchups. They had Bell, they had A B, they had Martius Bryant, even guys like Marcus Wheaton, uh, or Sammy Coates or Eli Rogers, guys that can just beat their guy, the guy in front of them. Um, but that's no longer the case. Um, they've got to do a better job of scheming their guys open. I mean, he lo- obviously everyone everyone hates their offensive coordinator, right? Everyone's an offensive co- coordinator on the couch, as you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Vick was on Colin Coward show today, and he said that his favorite coach is Andy Reid. And a large part is that a large reason why is because Andy's not going to try to make whatever quarterback he's got play to his scheme. He's going to play to their strengths. And so you'd like to, like, to your point, you'd like to see Randy play to Mason's strength. If his strength is pushing the ball down the field and up tempo, let's run it. Mm-hmm. Let him grip, let make him feel comfortable. Let him grip it and rip it. Um, but again, the Steelers did just enough, I think, on both sides of the ball to get the victory. Um, and it's kind of, you know, the same kind of, you know, Evan flow, if you will. Keep defense creates points. Defense gets turnovers. Defense getting sacks. Defense keep them in the game. I think they... I don't know what their red zone percentage was, but I think they did pretty decent. Um, and then offensively, they made just enough plays. And again, you know, the Colts defense is not a this is not this is not Peyton Manning's Colts team. This is a pretty this is a well coached offense and defensive team. Their defensive coordinator at Matt Eberflus plus Flus, um is probably going to be a head coach next year. So. This is not something that, this is not, like I said, this is not your father's Colts defenses where they're playing with the lead and they're pinning their ears back and just hoping that Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis can get sacks. This is a quality defense with playmakers at every level. I mean, the defending rookie, defensive rookie of the year, guys got over 200 tackles or whatever in two years or one and a half years. Um, you know, Malik Hooker came back. He's a rangy safety. They got Kenny Moore on the outside. They were missing down their Pierre, Pierre Desir. They were missing him yesterday, but Got another young guy in Rocky Sin from Temple. The Steelers probably lo- looked at him at the draft. So it's not – and up front, they got Justin Houston, Jabal Sheard, Marcus Hunt, who's had a little bit of a career re- revival in, in Indy as, uh, as opposed to when he was in Cincinnati. So largely, again, there's things to improve on both sides of the ball. But offensively, I agree with you. I think they need to do a better job with their schematics. I think as Mason continues to come back off that concussion, this is the second game. Again, it's off the bye. Um I think you'll see them start getting back to that Baltimore game, where it was kind of you kind of just start to see the light go on, if you will. Um, but again, nonetheless, the Steelers are four and four at the midway point. Mike Tomlin acknowledging that that's a big, that's big for them, um, given the fact where they come from. He said, paraphrasing too, but he said they're still going to work a long time to wipe off that stench that September brought them. Um, but again, they're four and four, vents. They're currently, I think, the number. In the seventh slot in the AFC, um, Baltimore did them no favors by beating and shellacking the Patriots last night on Sunday Night Football, 37 to 20. Um, real quick before we close out the show, and you know that game yesterday is huge, um, and also the Chargers won yesterday, so the Steelers beat the Chargers and the Colts in this three-game winning streak. Two teams that are probably going to be competing for wild card spots. So the Steelers have those head-to-head tiebreakers, which we all know when it comes down to December, those things matter more than anything. Dude. Um, and so they have those two victories. Um, they play the bills who's they they're they're trying to chase in the wild card race up at home that 's a big one um, they've obviously played Baltimore again um, so a lot of this a lot of what the Steelers would like to do is in terms of getting the playoffs and all their circumstances, is' still right in front of them very much alive, very favorable schedule, um, especially with their defense the playing with with the way it is um, they're going to be in every game so as you, as we sit here today, vince. Monday after their win, four and four, uh whether well, two games back of Baltimore. Baltimore's got a pretty tough schedule come up. They think they got games against like the Rams. Um, I want to say the Bills. Um, I, I think they yeah, have the Texans too as well. So I think they got some pretty tough matchups. But regardless of the regards of what the Ravens have done or won't do, how do you feel about the Steelers as we sit here at the midway point of the season?
1: I you know, I really am encouraged by the Steelers because of <clears throat> I don't I have not seen the best Steelers team yet on offense or defense. I mean their maybe their defensive performance it, it might be the best. I don't know. They played some really really solid games lately. But I feel like the defense can sustain that. I don't see, you know, barring injury, I don't see why they can't continue to do what they've been doing on defense. Um, and their schedule as you said their schedule is relatively soft. I mean still the Steelers you gotta play the game and, you know, hope nothing bad happens. But I I continue to hold out hope as much as I even bash Randy. Like, listen, you can get this together. You you, you can find a winning formula. You know, hopefully James Conner comes back. We'll see how he's doing. You know, when Mike Tomlin updates us tomorrow. Um, and each guy they kind of bring up in this running back position. You know, that was Trey Evans' first game, I thought he had a heck of a game. Um, and our wide receivers continue to get better. It's very encouraging to see James Washington play the way he did. You know, make some really tough catches. Um. You know, Chris Boswell, we got to give a shout-out to him. Outside of Justin Tucker, he's playing the best uh, kicker in the AFC. Clearly, he was hurt last year because last year was a freaking anomaly. He has been playing lights out. I mean, that kick that was 52 yards at the end of the first half won them the game. Um, that was a game-winning kick. Uh, you know, you can put it however you want to. I mean, the points after that for sure. Like, if they don't make that, they're not in position at the end. So, they, you know... This team has a lot of things going for it, and I, I, I feel like the arrows pointed up. And I know, like last year, you, know, you can attest to this. They were seven two one seven two and one at one point. And I'm like, God, they could really get, you know, they could really take off, Uh and they just fell apart. But you know, I don't feel like they're they haven't they haven't put together a Panthers game yet. And I feel like a Panthers game last year is you know in the future. You know, maybe when the offense puts up thirty points, and the defense just shuts out the other team. And that can happen in a few weeks. So I'm really excited uh, about what this team can
0: do. Real quick, bold prediction: Do the Steelers make the playoffs? I don't care about the division. I, I want to know: yes or no? Do the Steelers make the playoffs? I
1: will not comment on that because I'm not going to jinx anything. You're
0: you're you're going to give me that on our podcast, on the devoted Steelers
1: podcast. You're going to shut me out when I ask you a question like that at the midpoint way of the season. Yeah, because if we, if I say one thing, I'm not going to come back and I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. I won't. <sighs> I won't. Fair enough. I won't. I won't. It's too it's too important to me. <laughs> it's, it's too important.
0: It's, it's that that's that's fine. Um I agree with you. I, I I think I think a lot of the best football is ahead. Give credit to Mike Tomlin. Guy gets bashed every week. Um guy want, people want him out. Um everyone has their reasons. Some of them justifiable the clock management, game management sometimes. There's no doubt that guy can get this team ready to play. Um, he's a motivator, like you said, leader of men, um, the adult in the, um, and so as long as he's the head coach, as long as the defense is playing with the way they're playing and Mason continues to develop and, and can improve, um, I could certainly see it happening. Um, but like I said, I just, you just have to. They have to keep the same mentality. Yes, they're at 500, but let's not get complacent.
1: They won't, you
0: know. And and I don't think they won't. And I don't think they can. Um, But because this is not a team that's got, they can they can just say, oh, we got seven, he'll bail us out. That's not the case. It's not the case. You got to go out. Excuse me. You got to go out there and 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 I think Mason said play every week like it's your Super Bowl. Like I think he said after this game, it's not like it's not like my brother at Clemson. Okay, this, this is the NFL. Are you playing Wofford? Yeah. There's no gimmies in the NFL. So these games that they have against the Browns and the Bengals and the Jets and the Cardinals, like, th- those ain't Woffords. This is the NFL, and they could easily yeah. get smoked on any one of these Suns. And I'll tell
1: you something to look forward to or to kind of think about in the very, very future. But, you know, a lot of people say, you know, once Ben retires and Mike Tomlin moves on or whatever, I don't think – A, I don't think Mike Tomlin wants to leave this organization. I think as long as he wants to coach it, I think he'll want to coach for the Steelers. Um. And this might – he's like, hey, you know, if I can do this with Mason Rudolph, and we – you know, and – yeah, You think give him I can, you know, coach with whoever shows up as – whoever my quarterback is. And he's won tough – he won a game in San Diego when San Diego – or when San Diego's really good, and yes, they were San Diego, with Mike Vick and Le'Veon Bell, all right, on the West Coast where he doesn't trouble. Like, it's I, – I, I think Mike Tomlin is very representative of the Steelers because when adversity – Happens and when you know we get all this kind of a crap storm, if you will,
0: you want him leading you you. and
1: he steps up like that's I think that's a very Pittsburgh
0: D'Angelo. Real quick before we close the show, D'Angelo Williams was on first take today and he had I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit but he had said a story about after the Denver game, uh, the the divisional game of Fitzgerald fumbled, uh, obviously they had no AB, no Le'Veon, no D'Angelo that game, um, and Ben was banged up with the shoulder, but obviously played well played his ass off yeah. that game. So, so does Marte, was Bryant. He came, D'Angelo said that after, you know, given that, given their circumstances with all the lack of their availability of their big players, Mike Tomlin came to the locker room. He said, tears coming through his, you know, tears, you know, showing in his eyes and said, I'm sorry that I failed you. I let you down. And so D'Angelo was at that. He was like, I had already bought into Mike Tom, but he said at that point, you know, I really bought in to what Mike Tomlin was. Um, And and that's just kind of, that's the kind of thing that people, again, the people that want him gone they don't really understand his value. Um, Because again, everyone, everything gets compared to Belichick and everything gets compared to guys like him or Sean Payton or whatever, or the fancy, like the, the sexy choices. Right. Because again, like you said, he's probably, he's he's definitely not the best, best X's and O's guy, but he's definitely a leader. And when you're in the NFL and you're dealing with what comes with the NFL and all the adversity and all the, the the, you know, the the ebbs and flows of a season and distractions and whatever the case is. I mean, just think about A.B. as a whole. Up until that one blow-up last week, and you have to believe that there was plenty of blow-ups that we had never knew about. Um, because, again, Mike Tomlin keeps a lid on it. As much as they want to talk about the circus, he can't help grown men going out, outside of work, leaving the facility, tweeting whatever they're tweeting. He can't help that. Um... This is a guy that you want leading your guys. And I think, like I said, as long as he wants to coach, I think the Seals will allow him to coach. Um, and as they push through the second half of the season, you know, because of him and their defense, they're going to have themselves a shot. And we could be talking about a potential playoff team. Again, I'm not going to say they're not going to they're, they're win the Super Bowl, but they can definitely make this season worthwhile getting the playoffs. And, again, shame on me for saying they can't win the Super Bowl. It ain't going to happen. I'll just be the – I love the Steelers to death, but it ain't going to happen. But you just you do also just want to get in the dance. Um, just get yourself in the dance and see what can happen. So, obviously, tomorrow's Mike Tomlin's press conference. Uh, NFC opponent coming in this week to Hinesville. The Steelers wrap up their three-game homestand before they had a short week heading to head into Cleveland. They play the Rams at home at 425. The weather's turning, Vince. I love Steelers football when it's getting colder. Um, nice little not your not your prime time Sunday night matchup, but you got a nice uh, late afternoon kick in Pittsburgh against the Rams. Um, Heinsfield should be juiced up. Um, Vince, before we close the show, we plan on getting a show out tomorrow, giving our reactions um, to Mike Tomlin, to me some injury updates, some house, uh, some what, uh, uh, and some other you know tidbits from his press conference. But a great show today. Uh, lots and lots, a lot of good things. It's always good on Victory Monday. For Vince, my name is Dimitri. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.